Well, what is up, Christ Chapel? Uh, thanks for joining us today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. This is a, a wonderful day where we can honor you and thank you for the support that you've given us in our lives. We don't want to forget about moms today. That's why this day is special because I know that oftentimes you're forgotten throughout the year and all the things that you do. This is a day when we get to remember you and, and celebrate you and honor you. And I know some of you are thinking, I, I haven't forgotten about mom. You might not have forgotten about mom, but you've forgotten all the things that she's done for you. You've forgotten that she carried you for nine months. And it, it doesn't matter if that was in the winter or the summer, I've heard it was hard. It, it, it just doesn't matter. You've forgotten that you know, she changed your diapers and, 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 and she, she fed you throughout the night and got up at all hours of the night. Uh, she even had the patience to potty train you and we're all thankful for that. Uh, you've forgotten all the things that mom has done and all mom asks in return is just don't forget about her. That's all, that's, that's all she wants. Uh, there was a song that a country singer, Carrie Underwood, did. It was probably... 15 years ago now. And it's a song about, you know, she was portrayed as this uh, young girl who had just graduated from high school who was ready to go and explore the brave new world. And she's having this conversation with her mom right before she's about to leave. And of course, she's packing up a Chevy, of course. And uh, she's packing up the car and the mom kind of gets her and she's delaying this goodbye with, with her daughter. And the, the daughter knows it. And she says, they have this conversation as, as they're ending, right before she's about to leave and says, here's $50, it's in the ashtray, just in case you run out of, out of cash. Don't forget to get gas you know, before you get on the highway. And, and here's a, a map and a Bible in case you get lost. It's a great country song. And, and all she says, the, the mom, she says, here's the one thing I ask, don't forget to remember me. I mean, that's all moms really want. Just, just don't forget to remember them. And that's what we're gonna do today. Moms, we're gonna remember you because God has never forgotten you and we're not gonna forget you today. So if you would, open your Bibles to Ruth, the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter one, we're gonna be in verses one to five. Uh, if you don't know where Ruth is and you're opening up your Bible, here's a great way to remember it. This is the way I've remembered it for a long time. Joshua judges Ruth. It's the only sentence in the books of the Bible, Joshua judges Ruth. So go to, uh, if you can find Joshua at the very beginning, go through the first five books of the Bible, then Joshua judges Ruth. You'll be able to find it for the next few weeks as we begin a new series called Unfailing Love. And, and what a great day to start a new series called Unfailing Love when we're talking about moms and Mother's Day. Uh, the book of Ruth is about the story, this kind of love story of, of Ruth. Ruth and Boaz, that's what's highlighted in the unfailing love that is there between them. But oftentimes, what's forgotten is the love of a mother. There's a forgotten mom in the story of Ruth. You see, the, the story of Ruth has this forgotten mom that we oftentimes don't think about. We oftentimes don't remember. We forget about this mom named Naomi. You see, I would argue, and obviously we're not gonna argue about it, but I would say that the book of Ruth is just as much about the unfailing love of God to Naomi as it is to Ruth and Boaz. 
You see, Naomi plays an essential role in this whole book. In fact, this book actually begins and ends with Naomi. Naomi, this mother who is oftentimes forgotten and falls by the wayside in our minds. And we only remember Ruth and Boaz, but God never forgets mom. God doesn't forget mom. And God didn't forget Naomi. And that's what we're gonna look at today are these first few verses in the book of Ruth as we begin this new series, Unfailing Love, and how God is going to work in Naomi's life. He doesn't forget her. He doesn't forget mom. And we're not gonna forget her either. So Ruth chapter one, verses one to five. I just wanna read it to you as we go through it together. So follow along with me. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they were in the country of Moab, and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman, Naomi, was left without her two sons and her husband. We're gonna stop right there because you're about to jump off the train because you feel like I have sold you a bill of goods. You wonder where I did the bait and switch because I told you this was about unfailing love, the unfailing love of God to Naomi and you're going, well, hold on, what? Tap the brakes, Cody. Where is the unfailing love in those first five verses? Because it doesn't seem like God loves Naomi at all. I mean, look at all the things that happened in her life. Look at all of the tragedy that's there. But let's be honest. I mean, that's real life. That, 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 the things that happened in Naomi's life, that's real life in the real world. That's some of the tragedy that mothers experience in real life. But just because there's tragedy doesn't mean that God doesn't see you. God God hasn't overlooked you. And that's kind of where I want to begin. Because I want to begin in your real life, mom. Because I know that everything isn't always great and hasn't always been wonderful. But it doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. You see, mothers can feel overlooked but they are never forgotten by God. Moms, you may feel overlooked, and and I hope it certainly isn't today. I hope you don't feel overlooked, but I know you can feel overlooked, but you are never forgotten by God. You see, one of the things that you're gonna learn about Naomi through this study is that she's never forgotten or overlooked by God. Certainly, she experienced some heartache Certainly, she experienced some trials, but God is always working in her life. And one of the things, and one of the reasons why I think God records this account 
is because he wants to hold up Naomi as this wonderful mom who has faith in God and endures, endures the trials with wonderful perseverance and always places her trust in God. He uses her as a wonderful example, a great female example in the Old Testament. And the reason why I say female example is because if I were to ask you, who is the male Old Testament example of suffering? Who would you say? Of course, you would say Job. Job is the the male example of, of how to suffer, how to persevere, how to always have faith in God, even though they experience tragedy. And if you compare the life of Job and Naomi, they're very, very similar, the things that they go through, the tragedy that they experience. In fact, if you put them side by side, let's look at them. Job had a loss of livestock and prosperity. He lost his children, loss of immediate health. He cries out to God with injustice, and he's unrecognizable by friends. That's how much he suffers. But then God restores his fortunes at the end. God is always working in his life. Even though he experienced tragedy, he was still there. God was still there watching over him, carrying on the work in and through his life. Same is true of Naomi. These parallels are uncanny. There's a loss of food and familiarity, which we're gonna talk about in just a moment. She loses her husband and children, which we'll talk about as well. Loss of immediate hope. She cries out to God in protest. She's unrecognizable to friends, which we'll see in in later sermons. But then God restores her family at the end of the book. You see, no matter, mom, what you're going through, God still sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And I know that these times are particularly tough as we've been going through this COVID crisis and the quarantine and all of those things. You've experienced the loss of relationship, Your responsibilities have increased. The stress has increased. All of those things. That's real life. But God hasn't forgotten you. God still sees you. And I want you to know that, that even if you feel overlooked, you're not. God's got you and he sees. And so what I wanna do on this Mother's Day is I wanna walk you through four things through these first five verses that God sees that God sees in Naomi's life, and I believe by the end of the book, honors in her life. So hopefully it gives you hope for whatever you're going through, hope that God sees, hope that God is still at work and that you're never overlooked or forgotten by him. So let's look at these first five verses. And the first thing that I want you to see is that God sees how moms sacrifice for the good of their family. God sees how moms sacrifice for the good of their family. And moms, you can amen all day long if you want, because you, you deserve it. But, but look, look, at, look at verse one. Look at verse one. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, there's a lot to set up here, so let me very quickly do that because this will set up the entire book of Ruth. So in the days of the judges, what days were, were those? Well, remember, the days of the judges were after Joshua. So this is about 1200 BC to about 10 about 1020 BC. That's when the time of the judges were. And judges were military rulers that were raised up to save Israel from their enemies. 
but it was a very chaotic time throughout. I mean, if you want to know how chaotic it is, go back and read Judges chapter 2. It'll tell you how chaotic the entire scene was. And this time of the, that, that Naomi and Ruth come onto the scene is probably during the time of the judge Gideon. Probably, probably that time. But this is the time of the judges. And the judges can be summed up in this. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There, there, was, there was hardly any rule. There was hardly any order. God would save his people, but then they would turn their backs on him. The enemies would come in and pillage Israel. And it was just this constant roller coaster ride back and forth. So that's the setting, that's the political setting in a sense that is going on during this time of the book of Naomi and Ruth. It's totally an unsettled time. So it was during those times that there's a man from Bethlehem, a family from Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem is about five, six miles south of Jerusalem. Now they're in Bethlehem. Now what you need to know about Bethlehem is the, the word Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. A very plentiful place. I mean, if you were looking for a place to go get food, you would go to the house of bread. But ironically, there's no bread in the house of bread. And so that's why this family of four has to go find food somewhere else. And it says that they're going to go to Moab. Now, this was about a 50-mile journey that they would go down into the land of Moab. Now, Moab was a very desolate place very dry and arid place that, that really probably uh, depicts their spiritual condition. You see, the famine going on in Judah probably depicted the spiritual condition of their heart, that they were in a dry place spiritually, turning their backs from God. And so they go, ironically, to a place that what, never worshipped Yahweh. They worshipped an idol called Shamash, C-H-E. M-O-S-H. They were an idolatrous uh, nation who did unthinkable things in their idol worship that I don't even want to go into. But that's where this family of four goes to find food. And it says that they sojourned there. Now, if you were going to sojourn, you need to think of it as the, the opposite of settling, meaning they didn't go here to settle down for food. They, they, were going, they were going through the drive-through in Moab. That was, that was the plan. Let's just go through the drive-through and get some food during this famine for our family. Now, in order to do that, to make this 50-mile journey, it was going to take a while to sojourn. And it just reminds me of all the sacrifices that this family was going to have to make. Because when they leave Judah, they leave everything that's familiar to them. They, they think, about, think about it from Naomi's perspective, because that's how these first five verses are written from her perspective, that Naomi is going to leave everything that's familiar to her. She's going to leave her friends. She, she's going to leave all of her neighborhood. She's going to leave her home. She, you know, she's not going to be next to the Starbucks where the, the barista knows her order and her name. I mean, everything familiar to her is going to be lost, but she's going to sacrifice that for the good of her family. And moms, you do that all the time. And we are so grateful for that. Moms, thank you for always going into unfamiliar situations to sacrifice for your family, to do things that people don't particularly want to do, 
to leave the familiarity and go into unfamiliar places, even awkward situations, and make the best of it for us. Thank you for going on field trips when you've got a chaperone and you, don't, you gave up your entire day and you don't know any other parent that's going or you go to the birthday parties for your kids where you realize that a, a three-year-old birthday party is just managing chaos where you're, you're with all of these parents that you don't necessarily know and you're just trying to make sure that your child has a good time and doesn't cry and all that kind of stuff. But thanks for going to all the, the sporting events that you might not even care about, but you go to them for us. You sacrifice what you would want to do. You sacrifice your, your familiarity. You, you sacrifice being with your friends to make new friends for us. And that's exactly what Naomi is going to have to do as she sojourns from Jerusalem all the way into Moab. Moms sacrifice and God sees it. The second thing that God sees is God sees how moms love their children in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their weaknesses. Moms, you love us just because we're us. Now, go, go to verse two. Look at verse two. This is really important because it's going to go through the names. It says, the name of the man of this family was Elimelech. Now, Elimelech means my God is king. God is king. Now, we're going to talk more about Elimelech on Father's Day, actually. So uh, just placeholder there. We're not going to go too much into him. We'll talk about him later. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Okay, these give us the names and they were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem and Judah and they went into the country of Moab and remained there. Now names in the Old Testament specifically are very important because it gives us descriptions about people's personalities, about who they are. Now when you're going through those names, I told you Elimelech means my God is king, but think about the two names of the children. Malon and Chilion, get this, it means sickly and weakling. That's what their names mean. Sickling and weakly. Don't name your children, children Malon and Chilion. You, you don't want to do that. Those aren't good names. But that's the names of these children, probably pointing to, obviously, some weaknesses that they had. And I imagine that, you know, they're going into the country of Moab. It's an unfamiliar place. They're trying to make new friends. And, you know, they're talking and they're like, oh, hey, who, who are you? And, oh, these are my sons, Malon and Chilion, sickly and weakling. And people are like, you know, who, you know, they just start making fun of those boys. They start making fun of those kids. And I can just imagine Naomi stepping up and going, they're my sickling. That's my weakling, embracing them for who they are. Because you know what Naomi's name means? Naomi means pleasant, or another translation is bright side. She always, she, she always sees the bright side. She embraces her boys, even though they're sickling and ill or weakling and not strong. She embraces them because they're hers. And it just reminded me of how often, moms, you do that. You embrace us no matter our weaknesses. Uh, that, that what the world sees as strange, you see as special Be because we're, we're yours. Uh, I, I was thinking about this when 
uh, th- thinking through this, I actually asked a couple of moms. I, was, I said, hey, what are some, some weaknesses that your children have that you embrace and, and you just see as special? And, and they said, that's really hard to think of those things. And I thought the reason why it's hard for them to recollect those things is because they don't see them as weaknesses. They see them as they're mine. It's just, it's just who they are. And I embrace that. Now, I was thinking about uh, how uh, our oldest, our oldest is Dax, he's eight. Um, Dax, if, if you've ever come in, co- in contact with him, he is a spiffy dresser. And he has always been a spiffy dresser. He's dressed himself since he was very little. He has an eye for fashion. He's told me what to wear before to work. And I get to work and people are like, man, you look cool. I'm like, my four-year-old dressed me. Uh, thanks. Uh, I mean, he's always been that way. But as you know, with fashion forward people in the world, that sometimes they're so out there that it's, it's weird. Let's just be honest. And, and you know, nine times out of 10, when Dax was little, he would get it right. But there was that one time out of 10 where you're like, oh, yikes. But I always remember, Jen was just like, man, it's just who he is. And we would, we would embrace that. And when we would go in, out into the world, when we'd go out into public and people would think, that's weird, Jen would always say, wow. You know, moms, thank you for doing that. That when people say, that's weird, you're a weakling, that you just say, wow, you're mine, and I love you. You embrace those things, and that's exactly what Naomi did. Embracing weaknesses, not, not because you say you're complacent, but just because you say, you're mine. That's exactly what Naomi did. And God sees how she did that. And God sees when you do that for us also. Third thing that God sees is God sees how hard moms work to keep their families together. God sees how hard moms work to keep their families together. Moms, you do a tremendous job. And we get a great example of what Naomi does to keep her family together in verse three. In verse three, it says, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. I mean, this is where the story gets super tragic. If it wasn't already hard enough to experience a famine, to leave everything familiar, to have your two sons sickly and weakling, now your husband has passed away. How hard is that? That would have been incredibly hard during these times because during these times, the husband was not only the provider for the family, but the protector. And now all of a sudden, he's gone. And now Naomi has to step up and hold the family together. You know, what I wanna do very quickly is just give a quick aside. If you're a single mom, God bless you. We love you. I don't know how you do it. I don't. And God sees you and thank you for leaning on him because that's exactly what Naomi tragically turns into here in verse three is a single mom raising two boys. And I can't imagine how incredibly hard that is. We are so grateful for you. We wanna support you. We wanna love you. We wanna pray for you. And we are cheering you on. I'm sorry that you're in that situation and I can't imagine how hard it is this Mother's Day. But that's exactly what Naomi turns into. And and just to encourage you as a single mom, 
what Naomi does to keep the family together here, if there wasn't a single mom, then there wouldn't be a lineage to the Savior. So I hope you're encouraged by the impact that you can have as you hold the family together, just as Naomi held this family together with these two boys and the tragic loss of her husband. You know, it reminds me, today being May 10th, it reminds me of what happened May 10th in 1869, a long, long time ago. In 1869, that's when the first transcontinental railway was put together. It was the, the union of two private railroads, the Central Union and the Pacific Union Railways, that were brought together. And on that day, May 10th, 1869, when those two railways were aligned, there was one single spike that was ceremoniously put in that united these two private railways. And the spike that was put in is called the golden spike. And the reason why it's called the golden spike is because it was golden. It was 17.6 carats of gold. And I know that you wish you had that as your Mother's Day gift, but you can't have it. It's on display at Stanford University. But that spike ceremoniously showed that the, the joining, the union of these two privately held entities that would now unleash potential transcontinentally, it, it, it held everything together now. And moms, I'm just reminded and so grateful how you are that golden spike. I mean, I, I can only imagine, especially these days, about how many arguments you're settling during quarantine with your kids. How, how, how you're trying to be the peacemaker and the mediator, bringing these two sides together. You are that golden spike. You're the golden spike that keeps us held together even when we're grown. I mean, a few weeks ago, my mom texted me and said, have you called your brother? I mean, I'm a grown man, and my mom still wants to keep me connected to my brother, which is, which is great. That's what, that's what moms do. And sometimes we see that wonderful golden spike, and sometimes we don't. I, I read a, a quote that uh, someone said, moms are like glue. Even when you can't see them, they're still holding us all together. And moms, thank you for doing that. I mean, sometimes if it weren't for moms calling us together for Thanksgiving meals or for Mother's Day meals, we wouldn't come together if it weren't for you. Thank you for how hard you work to keep us connected, to keep us relationally connected and together as a family. Because Naomi has to work really hard to do that, and I know you have also. So God sees that. God sees how hard you've worked. And then finally, God sees how hard moms uh, work and how they take a backseat role to support others around them. God sees how moms take a backseat role to support those around them. That's exactly the role that Naomi takes. Even though this book begins with her, from her perspective, she's gonna very quickly take a backseat role. Look at verses four and five with me. It says that these two sons, Malon and Chilion, sickly and weakling, took Moabite wives, which actually was forbidden. They weren't supposed to take foreign wives because it would lead them away from worship of Yahweh because foreign wives worshiped idolatrous gods. So actually they weren't supposed to do that, but they took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah. Chilion married Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. Malon married Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died. So that the woman, Naomi, 
was left without her two sons and her husband. Again, you're like, where is the unfailing love of God? God sees Naomi. And God sees what she's gonna do is she's gonna take a backseat role. But just because she's gonna take a backseat role in the story does not mean that she's gonna take a backseat role for, the entire, for her entire life. God is gonna see and God is going to redeem all of these circumstances. But sure, there's tragedy there. Because not only does she lose her husband, Elimelech, now she loses her sons, Malon and Chilion. And there is enough about life that is not the way that God intended. But if there's something at the top of my list, it's a parent bearing a child. And I know that uh, some of you for this Mother's Day, it's hard because you've lost a child. You've buried a child. And I can't imagine how hard that is and I'm so sorry. It's not the way that God intended. It's not. And I know that it works, you've worked really hard to continue to trust God. And I think that's what Naomi does here as well. She's working really hard to trust God and to support those others around them because I just wanna go in a little bit more into the story because what you're gonna see is that Ruth is gonna stick with Naomi. You see, the name, I told you names are important in the Old Testament. Orpah means stubborn, stiff-necked. She's gonna eventually leave, which we'll talk about next week. She's gonna leave Naomi. But Ruth, whose name means friendship, friend, she's gonna stick with Naomi. And you go, why is she going to stick with Naomi? I mean, think, think, think about it. I mean, if there is an unlucky person, unlucky person in the world, isn't it Naomi? I mean, think about all the stuff. There's famine in her life. She loses her husband. She loses her two children. Why in the world does Ruth say, I want to stick with her? Why in the world? Well, I think there's a key in here that you have to mine to find, but gives us some context to why Ruth would want to do that. And it's in verse four where it says, they lived there about 10 years you see, for 10 years, they lived in the land of Moab, what was supposed to be a short sojourn through the drive-through of Moab to just get some food during the famine, turns into a 10-year stint in Moab. And for 10 years, she's with her boys, and some, at some point they die, but obviously they've already married uh, Ruth and Orpah. And so let's say they married them at the beginning. So for 10 years, Ruth gets to live with Naomi. And she sees how hard she works to trust God, how she puts her trust in her, how she works to keep the family together. And then she buries her sons. And Ruth watches that. And you know, one of the things that is not explicitly said in here, but was probably true, is that Ruth and Orpah never had children. They were married to Malon and Chilion, but they never had any children themselves. You see, I think one of the reasons why Ruth sticks with Naomi is because Naomi supports Ruth through infertility. That she struggles to have a child. She struggles to, to have the blessing that Naomi experienced. And she can't have a child. And I don't know how many disappointing months there were. It could be, she could have, they could have experienced 240 disappointments together with Orpah and Ruth. 
But month after month, being that, experiencing that disappointment of Ruth wanting to be a mom and not being able to, and she goes to Naomi, and Naomi gives her sympathy and empathy and loves on her and says, God's still good. We're gonna trust him. We're gonna get through this together. And if this Mother's Day is hard for you because you're struggling with infertility, I'm so sorry. That is a rough, rough road. And I know it's a roller coaster where you get your hopes up and then they've been dashed and you get your hopes up again and, and you, you just have to hold on to God. And that's what I think Naomi does for Ruth. She continues to point her to God is good. God can redeem this. God can work this out. We're gonna have faith in Yahweh because remember Ruth didn't know Yahweh. She was coming from an idolatrous place in Moab. But the way Naomi held on to her God was different. There was something tangible about that hope that she had. You see, that's the hope that we have. And mothers, that's the influence that you can have on us, that you can point us to the Savior. You can point us to the hope that we have in Christ through really, really dark circumstances that can change our lives. And God can use to change eternity because Ruth is in the lineage of our Savior. And you go, would she have been there if Naomi wouldn't have been there? You see, you can't forget about mom. You can't forget about Naomi. You see, God has never forgotten moms and he's never forgotten you. I think this is a great message for us on Mother's Day and a great way to remember the setting of this story of Ruth is that if you're a mom, mom, God has never forgotten you. You might feel overlooked, but he's never forgotten you. He sees the sacrifices you make. He sees how you care. He sees how hard you work to keep us together. He sees how, you're gonna take a, how you take a backseat role in our lives to support us. You set aside your own grief to help us through our grieving. He sees that. But I think it's also a great reminder for us, whether you're a mom or not, that he's never forgotten you no matter what you're going through. So let me give you some very quick applications on this Mother's Day. First, turn to God who always sees you no matter where you've sojourned. Turn to God who always sees you no matter where you've sojourned. You see, even if you think that you were gonna take a quick trip away from God, he still sees. You know, this idea of sojourning to Moab, a place that Israelites really weren't supposed to go. I'm reminded of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who in Luke chapter 15 ran away from home, ran away from his mom and dad, ran away from his family. And he squanders everything that he has, but he wakes up in a, a, a pig trough, face down, realizing that the pigs and the animals are eating better than he does. And it says literally, he comes to his senses. And he turns and he goes back home. And the father's always been looking for him, always waiting, always looking. You see, I don't know where you've sojourned. I don't know how far from God you are today, but would you turn to him? Because he sees you. And I'll tell you, remember, what mom wants for Mother's Day is for you to not forget about her, but what she wants more is for you to walk with Christ. That's what she wants. She wants you to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus and that's only gonna happen if you turn to him. Would you turn to him today? Maybe for the first time, maybe for the 30th time. Would you turn to him maybe to begin a relationship? 
Because guess what? Mom wants you home, but also mom wants you in heaven. And mom can invite you into her home, but she can't get you into heaven. Only your relationship with Jesus gets you there. And so you've got to make that decision to place your trust in Jesus Christ yourself. Mom can't do it for you. I don't know where you sojourned. I don't know how far away you are, but would you come home today? That'd be a great gift to mom. God sees you and God wants you home with him. Ultimately in heaven, home with mom. So turn to God. Second, don't forget, but appreciate the ones who have supported you with unfailing love. Don't forget to appreciate the ones who have supported you with unfailing love. Certainly start your list with mom and say, God, thank you for mom. And maybe your mom is with the Lord right now. Sit down and write a list, a letter to God. God, I thank you for mom because she supported me in this. She took a backseat role and supported me in this way. Just, just write a list. And if your mom is with us, would you call her? Don't forget about mom. Call her, send her a text, FaceTime with her, Zoom, whatever you have to do. Don't forget about mom. I remember a quote that uh, one of my mentors told me a long, long time ago. And he said, it does no one any good to withhold a compliment. It does no one any good to withhold a compliment. Compliment mom. Thank those who have supported you. And maybe, maybe it's a mom figure in your life, a motherly figure. Thank her. Don't forget about her. Don't forget to appreciate her. And then finally, trust that God can redeem your circumstances even when you can't see how. Trust that God can redeem your circumstances even when you can't see how. You see, I, I'm leaving on verse five for a reason. I know that it's kind of dark and hopeless in a sense, but you know what? God is still working underneath it all. He's still working to redeem. And by the end of chapter four, God gives Naomi a wonderful, wonderful gift and you want to hang on for the end of the story and that makes me want to encourage you to hold on for the end of your story. God is not done with you. And you may not see how he's working. You may not see how he can redeem your story, but he can and he will. Would you continue to trust him? Don't forget the promise in Philippians chapter one, verse six, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. He is working. I know that it might not feel like he is. It might not, you might not be able to see that he is, but he is. He is faithful, he is good, and he will never leave you behind. This is a day where we don't forget about mom. We don't forget about the moms who've taken a backseat role in scripture. We don't forget about the moms who have been so faithful to us, but we don't forget about the moms who have been faithful to God. And you know where moms get that characteristic of faithfulness? From God. So moms, we don't forget about you, but we thank God for you. And we celebrate him because of the role that you've played in our lives. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our moms. Thank you for the example that Naomi is. Thank you for the sacrifices that our moms have made in our lives. Thank you that they embrace us despite our weaknesses, how they forgive us, how they support us in so, so, so many ways. We thank you for them. May they feel honored, not forgotten, 
but remember and lift it high today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.